All right, today is the last message in this series, and I've enjoyed it, and I hope you have. And our key text has been found, uh, was found in Joshua 1.8. It says, keep this book of the law, talking about the Bible, God's Word, always on your lips, speaking it out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So it's not just about speaking it or reading it, it's about doing it. And an amazing thing happens when you begin to do it. He says, then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, not necessarily what the world deems prosperous and successful, but more importantly, you will be prosperous and successful in God's eyes. And folks, that is it. That is success, and that's what we all want. So we've been looking at God's word on how it applies to our marriage, how it applies to our kids, how it applies to our finances, and today, how it applies to our spiritual life. So Romans 7, 15, beginning of verse 15, is our text for this message. Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And then in verse 18, he says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. The Lord's going to help us today. For the, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God. Here's the answer. Who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have some help. And we're going to be looking at chapter 8. You can't just read chapter 7. And think, well, Paul says he does evil and he just has to obey his sinful nature. That's not what he's teaching us. So you have to read it with chapter 8 in mind. And we're going to be looking at that. God wants us to have victory. He wants you to have victory over your sinful nature. He wants you to have victory over yourself. Today's message is titled, Save Me From Myself. Somebody got to do something in here. (laughs) Save me. We're our worst enemy, right? We, if we can get, just get victory right here, everything else is a breeze. And the Lord wants to help us today. So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your presence being here. Lord, there's already been miracles taking place in this house. We're so thankful to be able to come and worship you. And Lord, thank you for success, spiritually speaking, in our own lives, over our flesh. You give us victory through your spirit. Thank you so much for that. Lord, speak to our hearts. Church, would you pray it with me? Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Patty, will you hand me my illustration? I like illustrating. You can be seated. I like illustrations because just it helps us to remember things a little bit better. Thank you very much. I know I've shared this joke before, but it's so funny it bears repeating. There was a pastor in a local town at a local lake baptizing people. And the town drunk happens to come on the scene, and he walks right in the water where the pastor is. 
And the pastor, seeing an opportunity, grabs a hold of the drunk, realizing he's drunk. And he puts him underwater. And he brings him up and he said, have you found Jesus? <clears throat> and the drunk staggers a little bit and says, no. So the pastor grabbed a hold of him again, put him underwater. This time held him a little bit longer, <laughs> brought him up. And did you find Jesus? And the drunk spewing a little bit, <laughs> water out of his mouth, said, no. Put him down again. This time held him a little bit longer. Brought him back up. Did you find Jesus? Then the drunk coughed a little bit. He said, are you sure this is where he went in at? <laughs> and, and sometimes we make it so hard to find Jesus. We make it so hard to allow Jesus to be our Savior, but the Lord is going to help us. In our key text, Paul describes the battle that we all face. It's the battle of our flesh versus our spirit. See, we are spirit beings. God created us as a spirit being. Your spirit lives forever. But we have a flesh that we have to contend with. Your flesh, your body, is where the sinful nature resides. And we're all born with it because of the sin that Adam took a part of. The Bible says sin entered into the world. That means the little baby born brand new is born with a sinful nature. It's born with an instinct to rebel. That's the reason why many times the first thing a baby does is say no. You say no before he can say anything else. And that is that sinful nature, that fleshly nature coming out. And until we experience salvation, our flesh and its sinful nature has the upper hand. Just like Paul was describing in verse 7. I want to do good, but I just can't. And, and that describes me as a young person sitting in church. I wanted to live for God, but I just couldn't. And when I declared that I wouldn't do this anymore, that was the very thing I did on Friday night. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And it felt like I could not do it. So I gave up for a while, not even trying. And that's a dangerous place to be. And I'm so glad Drew shared that story. Because we never should give up. So there are three dangers about your flesh, okay? This is three dangers. First of all, you got to take note, your flesh is deceptive. It will deceive you into thinking that you're okay just the way you are. That you don't have a need for a Savior. You are doing just fine living the way you're living. It will let you believe that. And Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Such a great blessing. The truth is this. We're all in desperate need of a Savior. And it's such a great blessing when we understand that and we know that. That we need someone. We need God to save us. Your flesh will make you think you do not. You're okay. I have heard so many people say, Pastor, I'm coming to church when I get some things right. When I take care of some situations, I'm going to come and live for God. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you never will because you can't do it by yourself. You need to come to him and allow him to help you. Number two, the second thing that's dangerous about your flesh, uh, it's destructive. It craves everything and anything that is not good. 
anything or everything that is against God is what it craves. Things that are not good for you. It's bent on destruction. It craves death. That's the reason why fried chicken looks a whole lot more than cauliflower. It looks better than cauliflower, aren't it? I've never had a craving for cauliflower. Brussels sprouts. I can't wait to get to that restaurant to order me some Brussels sprouts. My body don't crave that. I don't know if yours does or not. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Give me some some fried chicken. Come on. What about apple pie? You can't say that without smiling. Apple pie. Your body craves those things that, if if you're a smoker in this house, there's no condemnation for you. But hear me, it's harming your body, and God wants to help you, as well as that pork is harming my body, okay? But there's an addiction. And I'm always amazed at how I see people with their window down and holding their cigarette outside so smoke won't get in the car, but they don't mind it getting in the body. Does that make sense? And, and your, your body craves those things that will destroy itself. That's your sinful nature. But your spirit man craves a relationship with God. It craves godly things. It craves godly principles. So by them you can live and have abundant life. That's your spirit man. And thankfully we have a Holy Spirit that helps us to crave those good things. Uh, the third thing, and there's others, but the third thing is this. Your flesh is demon-led. Now, that's before Christ. The Christian should be spirit-led. But you got to understand this. Without Christ, you are demon-led. Because of the sinful nature we're born with, the devil automatically has a doorway in your life until you shut it by the Holy Spirit. Absent of Christ, demons will control your life more than you're aware of. The scripture says this, each person is tempted when they are dragged away. Two key words. Dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. That before Christ, there is a demon influencing your life. Even after Christ, we know we got to deal with him, right? He tried. But he drags you away from anything that's godly. He will do his best to bait you with a temptation. And if you take a hold of that, he is holding the rope. And he wants to pull you away from anything godly so he can have complete control of your life. If we can see in the spirit realm, it would be a helpful revelation to us. That he doesn't want you coming close to God. That's so uh, he wants anything that anything that has to do with God, he wants to drag you away from it, and he'll use temptation to do it. It says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And his plan for your life is spiritual death. And that is flesh. That comes from your flesh. The influence from the demon is, from your, is to your flesh. But thankfully, we have one that will help us. We have a Savior. And Paul says, 
What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you thankful for his Savior? Aren't you thankful for one that will rescue you? Now, the first obstacle with saving someone is that you must convince them that they need saving. Every time a hurricane comes through, they will beg people to leave, to evacuate. And every time, there'll be people that stay behind. And in many cases, when it's a bad hurricane, lives will be lost just because they didn't think they needed to be saved. That they thought that they could take care of themselves. And I'm telling you, there are people sitting in church pews all across this land who think they're okay just the way they are. And the Holy Spirit will move on their hearts and they will ignore him. And they think just because they check uh, check the box to go to church, they're okay. So some, the Holy Spirit has to convince, you need a Savior. You need to be saved. Three signals that you need a Savior The first one is this, you are unfulfilled. No matter how you try or what you try, it doesn't satisfy you. And there's a good reason why. God created me and you with a God-sized hole that only he can fill. Nothing else will satisfy you. Success will not satisfy you. Sin will not satisfy you. Nothing, no stuff. It has to be a Savior. And when he moves in, there's fulfillment and there is purpose in your life. You don't have to be, you don't have to feel empty inside. The Spirit of God will give you life and purpose. Another signal that you need a Savior is you are, you are out of control. You try to portray that you, you're in control of your life, but you know you're really not. Your pride feeds the delusion that you are just good, good just the way you are. But your addictions have become your master. The truth is that Please hear me. I'm saying this with all the love I can give you. I know this is a a little bit of a broccoli kind of message, but we sure need it today. The truth is that God either controls your life or the devil does. You do not. You think you have control, but there's got to be one or the other. Either God controls you or the devil is controlling you. And until God has control, the devil will. Another signal that you need a Savior is that you're fearful about eternity. Deep down inside, you know there has to be more to life than just this life, and the truth is there is. And there's no way either, even for us to grasp eternity. It does not end. It's forever. The good news is God is preparing a wonderful place for me and you. He's already sent his son as our Savior, and he has heaven designed for us. 
But the truth also is that there is an eternal hell for those who reject him. Jesus said that there will be those who go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous, those who have received Christ, to eternal life. God already knows that we need a Savior, and he's already provided one. His SOS stands for send out his spirit, and he will come straight to where you are and let you know how much God loves you and how you need a Savior to fill your life and to save you. This is probably not a true story, but the principle is true. A wife did her best to help her husband to receive Christ, and each Sunday she would ask him to go to church with her, and his reply would be the same. I'm okay right where I am. I don't need that. And she would at times try to talk to him about Scripture, and he would always change the subject. Don't want to hear that. And one Sunday it was snowing, bad snowstorm outside, and the husband tried to get her to stay home, but she still went to church. He got so mad at, at her, And as he's sitting in his chair looking out the window at the snow, he saw a little kitten in the front yard struggling to walk in the snow. So he went to the door, opened the door, and called for the kitten, but the kitten was afraid and began to try to run off in the deep snow. The man called louder, and the kitten just kept running, and he ran into the woods, and he knew that it wouldn't last long in that kind of cold and that kind of storm. So he went back to his door and went inside the house to close the door and angrily he said to himself I am just trying to save your life then suddenly he had the thought that's what your wife is trying to do for you he got down on his knees and he prayed why do we resist the savior we have a sinful nature We have an enemy that's trying to drag us away from him. Now, in preparing this message, I knew the Holy Spirit wants to deal with us that don't have the Savior yet. This is a, really, it may be a little broccoli right now, but it's going to turn into a Twinkie. It's going to be good. But we have to really deal with the whole truth. And I felt that the Holy Spirit let me know that there will be some that this next part of the message applies to. So we... The next part of the message applies to those of us who have received a Savior. But either because of sin or circumstances, we're slipping away from him. Slipping away from the one that saved us. And there are three signals that you are slipping away from your Savior. The first one is obvious. You're going the wrong direction. You're taking a detour. You know, you know the right way already. You can call it a break. You can call it a just trying to find myself, whatever way you want to use to justify it. But deep down inside, you have a Holy Holy Spirit that's sending out a signal to you, you're headed in the wrong direction. You were going toward God so passionately, but now you're backing away. You're 
giving in to things. Your spirit man is becoming weaker and weaker. Your flesh is getting stronger. Another signal is you're giving in to wrong desires. The very thing that used to cause you so much damage, the very thing the enemy used to cause you so much damage, you are contemplating it again. Given into that sinful nature, and it may look innocent or just a little small thing, but you understand it's going to drag you away from your Savior. The Holy Spirit is so faithful to convict us, the Holy Spirit is so faithful to show us. But hear me if you keep turning a deaf ear, you will not hear Him anymore. The third thing, there are others, you're consumed with the wrong passions. Your love for God is growing cold. You used to be so sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. During worship times like we just had, your, your spirit man would just leap inside and there would be a tear roll down your cheek, but now you could experience the move of God and not even be moved. You love the things of the world. They're beginning to look a little bit better to you than the things of God. God is not against us enjoying the world as long as he's number one. We left the reservoir this morning and we looked out over there at the, where they put in their boats and they're having a tournament today. And there was nothing but boats that we could see in the dark, lights on, all throughout there. And I told Patty, you know, God is not against us fishing. And I think he's even okay sometimes if we miss a Sunday on vacation and we want to go somewhere and enjoy fishing or something. But if God is not the center of your life, Satan is using it to pull you away from him. And nothing, nothing is worth that. And the truth is, you're leaving your first love. But God would put a message on a little preacher like me today because he loves you so much. And he has a plan to rescue you from yourself. And that is love expressed in such a vivid way. And he loves you so much. He's not pushing you away with a message like this. He is calling you to himself. He wants to cut that rope that's dragging you away. And in Romans 8, it, I, I call it a rescue plan. As a young man struggling with my life, living my life for God, I, I, wanted, to do, I wanted to do it right, like Paul said but I just kept doing it wrong. And then chapter 8 of Romans. If you're young in the Lord, I just encourage you to read Romans 8 every day this next week. It began to show me, wait a minute, you can win this battle. You have a Holy Spirit that wants to help you have victory over yourself. 
And I called it for this message of rescue plan. It's God's rescue plan. You know, to be rescued, you have to have the rescuer come to where you are. They have to show up. And that's the tragedy of, of hurricanes that when they don't evacuate, there are first responders that risk their life to go and try to rescue them. Katrina, people were on their roofs, and they had to risk their life to go and get them off that roof. They had to go where they were. And the good news for us today is that we have a Savior that has already paid the price. He's already made the way. And he will send his spirit right where you are to rescue you. The truth is that none of us cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit shows us. We can't even come to God unless the Holy Spirit shows us. And when he shows up on the scene, he says, you need rescuing. You need to be saved. And the good news is I'm here to save you. There's already a way. There's already a plan. Wouldn't it have been sad if he said, you need to be rescued and turned and went away? But no, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, you need a Savior. He's Jesus Christ. And he's already paid the price for your sins. And when you receive him, I will move into your life to help you. I will come right where you are. He comes to some of the most unusual, wicked places. He comes to bars and he he comes to prostitution places and he comes to drug addicts making deals and he comes to them and says, you need a savior. He comes to people who have been sitting in church for 30 years who think they're so religious that they, that they have already their ticket punched and they don't, it's a golden ticket for them and they don't need anything else. And he comes to them and says, but no, your heart is cold within you. You need a Savior. He doesn't leave us where we are, drowning in ourself. He comes to us right where we are. Aren't you thankful for that? Not to leave us in our own mess, but he comes to us. And in Romans 8, let me give you this first point, God's rescue plan. God's grace will meet you where you are, right where you are today. He will not push you away. He'll come to you. Romans 8, 3 says, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, talking about what God instituted, his Old Testament law. We could not live up to that because of our sinful nature. He said, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. For by, and Ephesians 2, 8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. You can't save yourself. Some of us don't even know we needed to be saved. It is the gift of God. Sends his spirit right to where you are. Says you need to be saved. And there's a way. There's a savior. 
Now, I love this second part of his plan. God's Spirit will throw you a lifeline. He will put it right where you are. Let me get my ropes here. And let me see how good I can do. It didn't do good in first service. Well, that was pretty good. He will throw it right before you. It's his spirit that will convince you of you need a savior, but then he will make it so available for you, all you have to do is reach out and receive it. Aren't you so thankful that for the spirit of God? And when you receive it, again, I said, he will move inside of your life so you can have victory over that sinful flesh. You don't have to keep giving in to it over and over and over again. You don't have to feel trapped and no way out. He wants to empower your life to be successful for God. I know I'm standing right now before people who will reach many people to Christ. This is God's plan who will reach many people for Christ, who will be leaders for God, who will help build God's kingdom right here in this room, in this church, if you'll just grab a hold to God's life that he has for you. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, that's the capital S for the Holy Spirit, have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. So when you just take a hold, the Spirit of God comes in and He begins to give you new desires. And He gives you victory over the old desires. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. It goes on to say, for if you live According to the flesh, you will what? Die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He is your lifeline. Satan wants to pull you away from God. But if you will receive the Holy Spirit's help, he will pull you closer and closer to God. That's what he does. He pulls you closer to God. And I'm so thankful he does. I'm so thankful he gives us a desire. And the last one is this. God's love will keep you afloat. Would you stand? If this was about five times larger, I would put this around my waist. If I tried it now, you would laugh, and it would have to be surgically removed. <laughs> but when I think about God's love, this is a good example, because think about how his love just surrounds you. They're okay. They're crying in the spirit, crying and praying. Think about God's love just surrounding you. 
The psalmist says, Lord, you've laid your hand on me, before me, behind me. He says, you have hemmed me in. And I know how it is to try to walk away from his love. But then I bump into it. I say, I love you. I know how it is to try to replace his love with a love for something else. Then I run smack dab into it. Wait a minute, I don't love you. And for me, it was a realization that why am I running from this kind of love? If he would come after me and rescue me, why am I running from him? What would happen if I started running to him? A love that pursued me, a love that overtook me, and the love that will keep me forever. See, his spirit, his son was given out of love. His spirit comes to you because he loves you. His spirit will move inside of your life as messed up as you can be. He will move inside of your life and begin to work in your life. The Bible says we have this treasure in jars of clay, capable of blowing it, capable of sinning, capable of messing it up for him. That doesn't stop him because he loves you. And he will move in you and he loves you too much to let you stay where you are. In Romans 8, 35, some very familiar scriptures, it says, And what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we're more than conquerors. Why? Through him who loved us. Now, did you get that? Let me, let me read it this way. In all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. So God's love is received. And because God's love is received, he can say, what shall separate me from my love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? See, the love has to be received first. And when he grabs a hold of you, he gives you his love to love him back. And then nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. So when Satan comes, working through that sinful nature that we all have, and if we give in to it, it gets stronger, but if, if we listen to the Spirit of God, and, and, and because we have a love for God, we listen to the Spirit of God, and we do not get dragged away, we just get pulled closer and closer to God. It's, it's his love for you, and in return, your love for him. And that's what he wants for every person in this room, for you to fall so deeply in love with him that anything Satan has, does it fails to compare. Oh, that, that's a temptation? Okay. But look at what I have in Christ. That's God's rescue plan. Would you bow your head, please? To save us from ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Your love goes beyond any way we can imagine. You should have given up on me a long time ago, but you didn't. 
You didn't just see me as a young boy messing up. You saw me as the man I am today. And the good news is, you know I ain't graduated yet. I still got a ways to go, and you see that person too. It's the same for you. God sees the plans he has for you, the things he has for you. It's greater than you can imagine. If you'll just grab on, if you'll just hold on to him, Satan will not drag you away. How many of you would say, Pastor Bobby, today I realize either I need a Savior or I understand been giving into that sinful nature a little bit, that I've been slipping away a little bit. But today, I'm going to grab a hold. If you need to say a prayer that we call a commitment prayer, would you just raise your hand straight up to heaven? There's no shame in this room if that's you. Romans 8 1 says, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Yeah, no shame. Yes, raise it up real high, up to heaven. No shame. If you're at home, I want you to raise your hand straight up. God already sees your heart, He would love to see you. Respond. Thank you, Lord. Church, we're going to pray it together. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray it together the way we pray it. Here, we pray it every Sunday. It's commitment prayer. And let's pray it together from our heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. And I thank you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Come into my heart. Change my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Have to make a confession. I prayed that prayer so many times. And in the middle of that prayer, I thought about what the next prayer was going to be, and I got myself sidetracked. But the Lord heard your prayer. But this is what the other prayer that I, I didn't pray this the first service because I believe God just made this little download. And I'm going to pray that God is going to mess up your life. As a matter of fact, this, that's what I heard. I didn't, this, this was not, I prayed for spiritual hunger for the first service. But this service, the Lord just told me during the prayer, pray that God will mess up your life. What do you mean, Pastor Bobby? I'm talking about you'll be messed up for him. That your heart will beat for him so strong that your desire will be for him. You'll have such a spiritual hunger for him. It'll make you do unusual things. Can I just stay at church for both services because I want to hear a little bit more of the word and worship? It'll give you a hunger that will compel you to draw closer and closer to the Lord. When you bow your head, I'm going to pray for you for it, whether you want it or not. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> it don't work that way. If you want it, grab a hold of that. Would you raise your hand? Father, would you do it? Mess up our lives. Mess mine up, God. I'm raising my hand. You already have, but I don't want to live in yesterday. Mess my life up, my plans, my desires. I trade them in today for yours. I grab a hold, Lord God, what you have for me. You have permission to mess me up. Mess up, Lord, my little feeble plans for yours. I'll trade them in. 
Would you just submit that with the Lord? Say, yes, me too, Lord, me too. Me too, whatever you have, I'll go wherever you go. want me to go, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. Surrender it all. I'm putting all my eggs in one basket. It's your life. It's what I desire. Do it, Lord. I know this is what the Lord wants from every one of us. I'm just thankful we're reaching that point this morning. Thank you, Lord. It's your life. In Jesus' name. And let me tell you what's going to happen to you. I believe even this upcoming week, you're going to start hearing little, not, not you know, sort of say hearing little voices. No, you're not. It's going to be a feeling inside. You're going to sense, and you may hear God's voice. And he's going to tell you, hey, do this. Hey, don't do that. And he's going to begin to plant some desires in your life that's going to be different. Praise God for it. Embrace what God has for you. I promise you, what he has for us is better than what you can plan for yourself. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing such a sweet work in our lives. We give you all the praise, Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't know how I got through that message. God is faithful. I really want to encourage you to invite people to church. There are people looking. We, me and Patty had the, we invite a lot of people to church, okay? I know you do too. We have a lot of people saying, I'm coming to your church. And, and many times they never make it. That don't stop us from inviting people to church. Now we know it's not about just coming to church, right? It's about coming and being around wonderful people like you and hearing wonderful worship and, and hopefully getting something out of that crying preacher's message. But the main thing is that the Holy Spirit moves in their life and gives them that salvation. We just met a couple yesterday. We, we were way out at the other side of you know, in the Castlewoods area, and we met a couple, and Patty invites them to church. And they came this morning. And they know a lot of people in the church already. It's just amazing how God orchestrated that. So just in, especially Easter time, people have their minds thinking about God more than ever before. Invite them to church, okay? And I believe you will, and God's going to pack this house out, and we're going to see people saved for God's glory. I want to close with a blessing over you, and I don't have this blessing memorized yet. I, don't, I had it in my notes last week, and I forgot the notes, but it's still going to be a blessing. Would you raise your hand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go 